What's going on, Roto-Grinders? Dean here at Steen7904, still filling in for Stevie at the Morning Grind podcast. Of course, not a lot of sports going down these days that we're doing. Uh, I'm here Monday through Friday. We're also throwing these up on YouTube as well. If you guys pitch the podcast, you want to actually see the lovely face of one Andy Means. We're going to talk to Andy in just a second. Of course, you guys know him uh, as the lead NBA analyst here at Roto-Grinders. He's the Crunch Time host. He's the host of his very own podcast, Mean Streets. He's arguably, you can argue this because of math, the greatest three-point shooter of all time in college basketball. Sample size be damned. I don't think you're sample size. What's up, Andy? How, uh, how are things in your world? Uh, things are going well, man. I appreciate you having me on, A. And, yeah, now that I think about it, I should just not ever talk about sample size and, like, the articles I write about, right? <laughs> that makes sense. Hey, you've never missed a three-point shot in your in your college collegiate career. So, uh, you know, and of course, you were at Duke, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. And, uh, yeah, again, do want to make sure everybody's aware that, yeah, a lot, a lot of sports going down. So we're just re-interviewing a bunch of DFS personalities. And today, Andy, you drew the short straw, and I'm very happy that you joined me. We're going to be talking about Duke. Going to talk about, about DFS, your DFS origin story. Uh, I want to get some of your TD takes. Uh, we've ser- I've, I've done a, a deep dive to some degree in your Twitter machine. I have some tweets I want you to explain. I want you to justify. So buckle up. <laughs> I didn't. I, I mean, I guess I should have caught myself up on these first two that you've done because I did not know this was coming. So <laughs> um, that has me a little concerned. Well, I mean, yeah, we got to. That's the whole point. That's we got to keep it organic. We can't have you prep. And you know, we had Chop on yesterday. Maybe if you listened to the Chop podcast, you would have known. Like you'd be aware of like, what's going on. You're in the hot seat now. I got a backlog on my on my podcast episodes. Uh, <laughs> even though I'm in quarantine, like the Korean baseball organization has uh, taken up a lot of my time. So I got a little backlog on the podcast. Yeah. So let's we'll just talk about that for a second. Sure. Why not? For you're still doing premium content. She's doing premium content for KBO. Uh, multiple guys, Tuttle as well too. Uh, you're writing up. You're writing up every picture every day, at least five days a week. <laughs> how how are you enjoying this? Are you starting to learn the names? Uh, because it's it's got to be you know. T- I just do like little like this guy's good, this guy's not good. You actually have to write words. Yeah. Well, the writing every pit every picture on the slate was stupidly my decision because I <laughs> recommended that for some reason. Um, but I was I just wanted to help out, you know, and so. You know, I looked at, okay, this league has 10 teams. Every slate is going to be five games. So we might as well just, like, write about every pitcher. Um, and knowing me, I'm so long-winded that it gets me in trouble sometimes. But, yeah, to answer your other question, no, I have not been able to learn everyone's names. I've learned the <laughs> the uh, the pitchers who have, have major league experience. I've learned their names. Dan Straley. I know some of them. Yeah, Dan Straley and some of the other guys. And it's just – I mean, it's strictly – it's just – it's the translation, everything. It's just harder to, uh, to remember all these guys, especially when I don't, when I don't watch as many of, I don't watch as many games as, uh, as I would with MLB. So I'm not quite there. I know the really good ones. I can tell you like the really good ones, but as far as like the, the fringe guys who like at a certain point, you just start seeing the exact same stats, like just below uh-huh. average K rates, below average GRAs, a lot of stuff. And then you're just like, I don't even know who I'm, who I'm talking about at a certain point. So it's more it's more numbers and names I don't know about. I wonder what like a Verlander or a Scherzer or, or like a Cole over there would do because a lot of those guys are good contact hitters too. So I just I mean you think he'd be striking you know striking out 12, 13 guys, eleven guys because obviously the talent level is not the same as it is in, in baseball, but uh, probably be a lot of weak roundouts I suppose or some weak pop ups. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, but of course hopefully we have our our baseball comeback here soon enough. And you, <laughs> as much as we've been enjoying your KBO content, Andy. 
Uh, I assume at some point soon we want to talk about some basketball and some baseball. We got our fingers crossed for that, obviously. And uh, I did want to mention, yeah, your podcast, Mean Streets Podcast. I think you have like seven or eight episodes in. I've listened to several of them. That's how I prep for the show. Uh, I listened to the JJ Reddick podcast, uh, Shane Battier. I've not heard the Jay, uh, Jay Billis one just yet. I heard some of the Chris Duhon one as well. And the Chris Duhon, Kobe Bryant story is pretty wild, huh? Yeah, that was a good one. Um, for those who haven't listened to it yet, I'll just I'll just give you a little teaser. You basically told a story of a plane ride back from a road trip where they were looking at a box, the team, the light, he was on the Lakers and they were looking at the uh, box score from another game and someone got a triple double. Everyone started giving Kobe shit that he doesn't pass. And Kobe was basically like, it's not that I can't pass. It's that I choose not to pass. <laughs> and then they were betting some, uh, some uh, hefty sums on whether he would get a triple double next game. And of course he went out and did it. So um, yeah, I encourage you to listen yet. Had another, had a couple of good ones in that one too. So um, I, I've enjoyed doing it uh, for the most part. It's, it's a little more nerve wracking than I thought just because, you want to get it right and you want to ask the right questions because you only have these guys for so long Mm -hmm. and you it's you got to do your prep but you also have to have it be organic so it's it's been way way harder than I thought uh so that's been you know that's been causing me just like a little anxiety just because it's it's just it's difficult man that's all I don't know it's uh even in some of these guys are some of my closest friends too What's it like hosting? Like you're hosting a show as opposed to you're normally like the expert, just the guy answering a lot of the questions. Uh, let me tell you, I like this side way better, Dean. I like being on this side way better. Um, <laughs> it's I don't know. It's just it's way harder than I thought. It, you it's you have to lead everything and take take when you sense it needs to go in a different direction, you take it to a different direction. And there's just such different responsibilities than when you're answering the questions. And it's just it's so different. And I and I honestly I'm not used to it, but. I think I'm getting better at it. I think I've been good at it. And a lot of the times I just let the, let the guests do the talking as much as I can anyways, because that's what, what should, that's what people should be coming to the pod to listen to for the most part. I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I only have Andy for so long. I want to get it right. And then I'm asking you about KBO baseball and Justin Merlin. You're like, what am I talking about? Let's move, let's move, let's move on from this, Dean. It's well, you, do, you have me, you have me for as long as you want, Dean. It's we're in quarantine oh and I, I don't have a schedule. So if you want to take this a couple hours, let's go. De- Devin is producing. I'm not sure if he's nodding in the back or he's not nodding in the back. He's got a Parcheesi game to get to later on today. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm telling you, I'm, I have a lot to ask you, a lot of questions I've written down. And let- let's dive into Duke first before we get to Duke, I suppose. Where did you grow up? And, like, what was Duke always, like, a dream? Were you a huge Duke fan as a child? Yeah, um, I very much was. I grew up in Indy, and I was, like, number – 30 something in my lineage to go to Duke. I have my, my mom's wow. side of the family is very, very heavy Duke. Um, my dad went, my aunt, my mom's sister went, my aunt. So that's my aunt, my aunt went. And like a bunch of people like passed that on my mom's side, like a grandfather and like a great niece, you know, or I'm sorry, a great aunt, like just all sorts of stuff that people I've never even met. So it's uh it's, it's been in my blood since I've grown up. I went to like the, the 91 UNLV game in the final four in Indy. I went to that's is that like Stacy Ogman and Larry Johnson and those guys? Yeah, exactly. The when they upset them as like huge underdogs. So that was the first game I remember going to, and then several, several other after that. And then you know, I played, you know, really I was really good as a like a really young kid and um, you know, it was like playing up grades when I was in like middle school for like traveling teams and stuff. So at a certain point I really like I always would say, Yeah, I want to go play at Duke, and then at a certain point you're like, Oh, like I'm not going to do there's never <laughs> I'm not good enough to go play there this is ridiculous so um to, so to answer your question yes I was a huge fan and the w- way it worked out was that 
at a certain point in my high school career, like basically like there was a, I went through a big thing, uh, my junior year for people don't know, like we were really good my junior year high school and the center on our team who was committed to go to Kentucky passed away on the court during a tournament game. Like we were number two in the state and the other team was number one. And like, that was basically like whoever won that was assumed to win the, the state and we ended up losing because we ended up playing. We didn't know the guy had passed away. Long story short, that kind of like zapped away all of my love for playing basketball. Like my next year was my senior year and I played and I like didn't really want to be playing anymore. That's when it kind of became like a, it felt like a job to me as a senior in high school, which is, it, I don't think it should be like that when you're that young. I know it's a, you know, it, it gets, it gets to be a very serious thing as, as the games get more important. But I just remember not really like going to practice. Even the games were cool, but like, I just didn't like getting better anymore. So when my senior year was basically up, I had made the decision. I was just going to go to school, uh, just a normal school and just be a normal student. Like I was uh, going to go to go to Purdue, I think, if uh, if the Duke thing didn't happen, which came in really late in the in the process. Like the one of the assistant coaches at the time, his name is David Henderson. He was in that. He was with that Allery, Jay Billis, Johnny Dawkins, Tommy Amaker bunch. He was an assistant and called me and said um, – so I think I don't, and I honestly don't even know. I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. I don't even know who reached out to to the the basketball office. To be honest, I don't know if it was my high school coach or my AAU coach. I don't even remember. But they had like expressed how much I wanted to play there, and they said if he can get in, if he can get accepted. We'll like give him a chance. And so when I got accepted, an assistant coach called me and said, "We have a you know we have a three bedroom dorm or dorm room that all the fresh the freshmen always live in. We have two scholarship seniors and no one else, so we have a bed available if you want to take it." And I was like, uh, yes, please. So I, uh, that's how it kind of started. Yeah. So I was wondering the process as far as how one walks on, like, could I walk on Duke and just say, yeah, let me just give me a shot. Coach K I'm five, eight ish, a little pro, a little husky, maybe too husky, but I'm just, you'll have to pay me like no, no, no uh, I don't want the scholarship <laughs> or anything. <laughs> I guess yeah, I, I don't, as well. I don't know if my, the way it happened with me was normal. I don't know if that was abnormal. Uh, Cause when I, when they said that, they're like, we're not making any promises. We'll let you work out with the team and, and see what happens. And I, I said this on one of the podcasts I did with one of one of my closest friends, maybe it might've been the Reggie love one, but when I was a freshman, they had just, or I'm sorry, when I was a freshman, they had so many guys on the team that year. Like, I think there, I think there's like 15 guys on the team. And then there's also these rumors going around that, Hey, there's two really good football players that, that are probably going to come over and play basketball too. One was Shane Battier's brother, who was a receiver on the football team. Another one was Reggie Love, who actually did end up coming and play on the, on the team. So I was like kind of doing the math. And I was like, I don't know if I, there's going to be room for me on this team, even though they let me try out. And then I was also just like not physically ready for, for sure. And not mentally ready. Like the first couple days uh, that I was working out with them, I like held my own and just like conditioning drills and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we're going to run the mile at the end of the week. <laughs> and if you don't make the mile under six minutes, then the whole team has to run that again, just because of you. And that like freaked me out. I was like, none of these dudes know me and I'm going to come in and like get a six Oh six. And then we're all going to have to run again. And that like really freaked me out. So I, I actually ended up going in and talking to Wojo. I think that's who I talked to. And I was like, Hey man, I appreciate the offer the opportunity and everything, but like, I'm just, I'm literally not ready to do this. I'm not physically prepared. I didn't think I was just, I didn't think I was good enough or, or strong enough or fast enough or anything. And I, 
and mentally I don't think I was ready obviously either. So I just told him, I appreciate the opportunity, but I just can't do it this year. And I just was a student. I hung out. I mean, I still live with the basketball players. I, you know, got to know Chris Duhon was one of them and he's still one of my closest friends to this day. So it was cool just to be around and everything. I ended up missing the year they won the national championship, which kind of sucked, but it, it, I, I ended up crossing that bridge a year later. So I knew if I didn't do that, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. So I went and talked to Chris Collins, who's now the uh, head coach at Northwestern and said, I'm, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. Literally people say that like it was <laughs> without a doubt the best shape of my life that the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, like I was benching way more. Like it's the only time, like I've all, I was always, believe it or not, a really thin dude growing up. Like I could not ever gain weight. And then for whatever reason, the, the trainer I worked with, I was, you could actually see muscles on me, which was a, a, a rare feat for me. So, so what did you end up running? Your six minute mile. Oh my, oh yeah. My, uh, that year, the, my so with my sophomore year, I think I ran a 542, which was by far the fastest I've ever run a mile. That's pretty impressive. But I mean, I know you're, you're running these days or at least you're getting in shape or I don't do a Peloton. Uh, you probably can't clock that out, but you're still, you know, Andy, I was saying before the show, like a lot of people are hurting with the quarantine, but the, you know, you're going the other way, man. It's impressive. I will say I'm not running. Running is one of my least favorite things in the world to do besides maybe like cleaning. Uh, yeah, I did so much. Like when you have so many coaches like yelling at you to run, run harder, make this time, you kind of get uh, like allergic to it a little bit and scared of it. So I will say I appreciate the compliment. I do cardio. I'm not going to say it's like it's aggressive cardio or intense cardio, but I do cardio. I get my sweat in. I burn my calories. I get the heart rate up. That's all that matters. We, we were talking about this pre-show, and I think you start your cardio as like basically like when I'm going to bed, at least my old schedule. <laughs> it was making you laugh. And we're, we're in the same like Discord and Slack channels, and sometimes we'll cross paths where I'm saying something at like four or five o'clock in the morning and then you're responding to me. You're waking up. I'm just going to bed. And I, uh, but, and I, I made you laugh because uh, I was telling you I'm going to bed much earlier these days around one o'clock or so, which uh, we live different lives. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I, I just lost it when you said that because I thought you were going <laughs> to say like 10 or 11 and then early for you is one. And one, not only is one late for me, one isn't even on the register for me. One does not even it does not even uh, compute over here at the means household. There's no way I'm ever going to bed that late. So just backtrack to a couple of seconds here. As far as in high school, was everybody else like Hoosiers fans? Were you fighting with everybody about Hoosiers versus Duke? Is that a thing when you're, when you're younger? That is funny. You asked that because my, the, the, my dad's side of the family, even though he went to Duke, my dad's side of the family is very heavy Purdue. So I grew up Duke fan, Purdue fan, and everybody I knew except for, you know, 2% was just huge IU fans. And I just grew up despising everything IU. So, and I remember like in middle school, there was a year where uh, it was when IU had Andre Patterson and they, and they played Duke and it was maybe like, let's call it 90, let's call it 96. And then IU ended up beating Duke because some dude had some random awesome game. And I went to school. I remember being terrified to go to school the next day because obviously I was, I was everything Duke at that age. And I just got, I just got torn a new one by everybody just making fun of me uh, just because, I mean, yeah, everybody was just all about IU at that point. So when you're on Duke and you have the Chris Duon, everybody knows who Chris Duon is and JJ Redick and everybody knows JJ Redick is, and you're, you're just any means and you're a walk on on the team. Do they just accept you? Is there clicks? Does it take a while to kind of win them over? Uh, Are people, who's hanging out with who? Like, how does that work? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe 
maybe it was easier for me since I didn't play it my first year because I could just I didn't have to win anybody over to like make a locker room better or worse. You know, I could just be myself, and if you liked me, then we'd hang out on the on campus, or we wouldn't. So that probably worked in my favor at that point, especially with like Chris and uh, my other roommate at the time, Andre Sweet, who ended up transferring after his freshman year to go to Seton Hall, um, just because we just hung out and played video games and like, and w- went out and just were no- normal dudes. So that worked out well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like there, there wasn't, they didn't really tolerate any. And by they, I mean the coaches, they just didn't tolerate any stuff that would make our team worse. So if there there's like the only like quote unquote hazing I do is like when you're a freshman, you had to, take everyone's like laundry bags down. Like at the time, I don't know what they do now, but you had to take it to another building and drop it off and that's it. Like, so you had to like, basically that meant every time we were together for whether that be a practice or after a game or something, that means you had, you were the last one to leave the locker room because you had to wait for everyone to get ready and get their laundry. So it's like, that's basically it. But as far like, I can't even like the guy, as far as the guys, like there was like sub clicks. Like if you're going to nothing like drastic, like we're going to mess with this person or something like people would, have their preferences of who they'd hang out with off the court. But man, we were, I was a part of some pretty close teams. So I can't, I can't really say that there was really any true clicks. I was listening to the Battier podcast you did. And I believe you're close enough a Battier that you're in uh, his fantasy league. Correct. Are you in the, are you on the fringe or you want to get in? I think you're in, correct. <laughs> yeah. Like the, his is it like, I don't, I don't know if like, let's, we can talk about maybe my poor podcast hosting skills. Cause I might not have got a good, good enough information out of Shane on that one. Cause his, their their season long league is legit, man. He I, I should have asked him more, but he was saying I didn't know this, but he was saying at the end of that, like that Jason Kidd is on the wait list, like Chris Bosch is on the wait list, like all these people want to be in it. It's because it's not because they play for like a ton of money or anything. It's because he takes it so seriously that it's like really fun to be in. So one year, like one of my best friends is Andy Borman, who I had on as a guest too, and he's really really close with Shane and in that league, and they needed a sub late. Like it was, I think the draft festivities started a Friday night and it was, he called me like Thursday morning in a panic. It's like, Hey man, one of our, one of our guys has something he just cannot get out of. And we have like a rule that we have to have 10 bodies or 14. I don't know. Maybe they're a 14 team league. Like we have to have someone here. Like we will, we're going to like pitch in to pay for your flight and your hotel. We need you to come out here now. And yeah, where are you so flying like, to? Like not, a private island or something? Where are you guys at? It was uh, it was Jersey Shore. There they have something where uh, I think the winner gets to pick where they have the draft the next year. That's right. So whoever whoever won it, I don't know who won it, but it was at it was at the Jersey Shore that year. So I got to uh, I got to go out there and be a part of it and not have any and not have any responsibility for what I did. But I will note that the team that I drafted that year won it all. Well, there, there you go. That's what I had to ask you. Did you, did you get a kickback of some sort? Do they know you were a ringer? Are people aware that like you're a ringer of some sort? Yeah. So that's a, that's, uh, that's possibly why I'm not allowed in too, because, <laughs> because Borman said that he, he thinks it's funny how Shane is kind of afraid of me in fantasy that he doesn't want me to be in the league maybe because of that. And probably because there's cooler names above me on the wait list, but whatever. I Jason Kidd or, or Chris Bosch <laughs> or Andy Means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just—I was really fun. It was really fun though, just to go out there and and hang out. And uh, Mike Dunleavy's in the league too, so it was—it was a fun weekend. That's what cool. is the spread like? What's the spread like at the draft? I imagine it's like really elaborate. Is there like a sushi bar? What, what do we have here? Like a bunch of drinks, a beverages, a cocktail waitress. 
Uh, we had the cocktail waitresses and stuff. They rented <laughs> I don't even remember the facility we were at because we had already been drinking during the day. But like we, I remember it was really close to our hotel and I just remember walking to it. And I don't uh-huh. remember, I honestly don't, I wasn't like, I wasn't out of it. I wanted to like have a good draft. But I don't even remember the type of building we were in. I just remember walking. It might have just been a hotel, a different hotel, actually, now that I think about it. And we just had a conference room rented out, basically. And we had this huge, huge table and one of the big boards. And they have a shot clock, basically, for your, like, an exact <laughs> shot clock for your. Of course, it's a shot for, clock. For the pick. They had a couple, the, like, the cocktail waitresses to get us drinks so we didn't have to get up and everything. And they had the board. They had a, a big board up. And I don't think we had food because I think we went to dinner right after it. So I don't. We didn't have a big spread, but it was by far the best one I've ever been to. So explain this to me. As somebody who went to Duke, uh, I'm not a big college sports, college basketball guy. I mean, it's just not my thing. But I, I know why. Why does Duke have this stigma? Why is it so divisive? Why do? Why is Duke hated? Is it like sort of like this? Uh, uh, I, I guess it's a weird. It, it, people see it as like a classist thing, possibly, or like an elitist sort of thing. But what? What do you think it is? Uh, I'm sure you've caught shrapnel throughout your life. Uh, and even oh, just yeah. sitting on the bench and hanging out. And we'll talk about that in a second too. But what do you think the reason is like, why is Duke just so just like, like JJ Reddick was hated and he seems like a great <laughs> dude. <laughs> Listen, to I, this mean, podcast. I don't think it's an elitist thing strictly because there's other really elitist schools that don't get, you know, sh- shit thrown at them. It's because we win. Like that's point blank. Why it is. It's because, that's why people don't like the Patriots. It's why people don't like the Yankees, et cetera, et cetera. Jealousy. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, like that's just people want to see the top get knocked down. And that's cool, and I'm and that that means when you see people do stuff that like rub you the wrong way, you're going to react to it more, uh, you know, strongly when you're always watching that team and you want them to lose. Like there's you have like Stanford, Northwestern. I'm sure those people who go there are elitist. Um, I'm sure people on those teams have done stupid stuff during games. Like, you know, J.J. Reddick hitting a three and throwing up the shocker sign or whatever when he was really young. Like, I'm sure pe- other teams <laughs> have like, done that. So. I'm going yeah. to Google that after this podcast. <laughs> I'm not aware of that. That's amazing. But it was like he wasn't doing it. Like, he was just, you know, holding up the three for a three-pointer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and it just, you know, it, it, that I, that's really what I think it is, is that they just want us to lose. And I'm sure, you know, Coach K doing commercials and Coach K having a video game in, like, 1996 for Sega or whatever, like – not see, aging in the last 30 years. I'm jealous yeah, of that. Too. Um, <laughs> I think I really think that's what it is. Cause like basically to a man, whenever I'm out with my friends who played and who are really famous, you will always have the people who come up and will say something uh, just like, Hey man, I, I watch you or whatever. No one bar- barely ever. Do you ever get anyone who actually will talk shit to them? Most often what happens is they will, say something, hey, I was a fan, and then if they actually hang out with us that day, like, man, I used to hate you. You were a really good yes. dude. Like, everyone <laughs> ends up, like, really liking hanging out with them. And I, and I think that's all, also one of the things, like, at, at some point, and I don't know, I, I don't know if it was, like, the late 2000s, as far as, like, 2010, I mean, like, in that 2010-ish era, they made a certain, they made a decision to say, we need to start controlling our narrative a little more. And they were one of the leaders in like social media stuff. Like that's why I think that's why they have one of the biggest Twitter followings in college basketball is because they wanted to show these kids at our school are good dudes. Like they're funny. They're fun to hang out with. They're, you know, have high character, well, well respected, do fun stuff off the court. And they started doing videos and things like that. And I think they're kind of a trail trailblazer in that regard. And it kind of changed the tune a little bit just so you could see what everyone is like as people, not just as a, 
as a basketball player for two hours in a basketball game and then you go back to hating them because someone wrote an article said this is why I hate Duke like the more you can humanize everybody I think I think it's worked out a little bit but it's never going to go away fully just because especially as long as coach is there people are so he's such a uh a divisive guy just that you either really just love him think he's the greatest coach ever or people just absolutely despise him and can't stand anything that comes out of his mouth so I think as long as he's there it's going to be like that you, you make a lot of great points but can we agree that Grayson Allen had to come in I mean come on there's only so many times you could trip somebody <laughs> accidentally I, man I I can't stand I can't stick up for that one man he like th- that's where that's different because he's actually doing stuff that's dirty and illegal uh, in the game. I mean, I think people blew it out of proportion a little bit and like probably. attacking him who he is and like probably saying some personal stuff, but coach and I know, and his family, like his, his, his three daughters and his wife, and they love Grayson. Like it's, they will go to bat for that kid. So I had never met him. I've never been around him even. So I don't, I don't know why he did that, but yeah, that's the one that's probably going to get a little bit of a pushback from even the biggest Duke Homer. You mentioned Coach K and him being divisive. Give me, give me a, an interaction, an anecdote, something that just maybe kind of sticks in your head that would surprise me or like surprise somebody. Oh, that, that's interesting about Coach K. I a mean, I'll, I'll say speech. that. Yeah, it's some. I can give a couple good things. Like it's it's somewhat of a popular thing to say when people ask about him, but that he's like really really funny. Like I don't, I know a lot of. He has a great sense of humor. I know a lot of, I don't know, even like when he coached some of the Olympic guys like LeBron and them, I think I've seen them say the same thing. Like no one truly knows how funny he is to be around until you're around him every day because you just, you see the competitive guy so much uh, when he's doing, when he's coaching. So it's easy to, it's easy to, I I get why people would think that, but he's just a, a really, really funny guy. Like he will, he will crack some really good jokes even in the middle of the, like a hard fought practice or even I wouldn't say in a game, I will say maybe at halftime or something, but I don't think he's ever done that during a game, but in practice, just like kind of line things up. He'll, he'll drop something in there. And that's the one thing is that I just think people get a little confused on that is that he's just a really, really funny guy with a great sense of humor. And that's a dichotomy from like how straight laced he comes across as, and he has that straight exactly. like hair, haircut as well. But okay. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Andy, you ready for it? Yeah. yeah. Can you spell Shiseski? Yes. K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I. Wow, he nailed it. There you go. Okay, I had to Google it on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Were you fu- did I say it too fast? Do you want me to slow no, no, it down? No, so I, no, I, sure you know, I got yeah. it right. <laughs> I prepared. I, I typed it in as you were talking right there. And thankfully, I just typed in Mike K and it came up. So thank you, Google. <laughs> um, so talk to me about traveling uh, on the road, road games in the SEC. Again, Duke is just ACC. A, oh, ACC. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I know there this. Goes your perfect game. Unbelievable. You're not supposed to talk me during the perfect game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, talk to me about like, you know, what's, what's the, the most raucous crowd, uh, the, the, the worst place to go into as far as like, and like the craziest things you hear yell at you because you hear everything on the bench. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of good things on that one. One, one is I was never, I was never afraid of that. Cause obviously no one even knew who I was, but one <laughs> thing I would do when I would get, when we would go on road games, I always made up, I would get dra- dressed in my uniform and like a warm up t-shirt as quick as humanly possible, because I wanted to be the first one out there because that would be the only time I'd really be able to get up shots. Like the expectation is if you're not going to play, you should probably start working on stuff with other guys. You're going to get some, some, some burden that night. So I would go out there as soon as possible and just so I could get up shots because I like getting up shots 
and I like, you know, doing it at gyms I've, you know, had, hadn't been to at the time or would never be coming back to, you know, at a certain point in my career. So, but like when we play, like the students are there for sure. If we're, you know, an hour and a half getting, getting out there an hour and a half before the game and people, I would hear all this stuff like, who are you? You're not going to play like all that stuff. I don't even know who you are. Go sit down or whatever. It was this mean so guy. That. Yeah. So I would hear that all the time. Um, but yeah, there is a, there is some dirty, dirty stuff. Like the, the worst stuff I could hear, I probably couldn't repeat on this. It's as bad. I mean, it's as bad as you think people cross the line. You, you, mm-hmm. it's, it's what you'd expect talking about families and just saying crude stuff. One, one thing I will say, it's kind of half answer to this question and half answer to a coach K is one thing I for sure remember we were playing Virginia. I, I think we had just played Virginia or maybe we were watching Virginia tape from one of their games or maybe the last time we played them. But I know this was a, a, a game at Virginia and we were going through, let's say we were going through the scouting report and in between one of the plays, some Virginia, a Virginia guy did something really good and the ESPN had panned the crowd, just kind of getting everyone going crazy. The student, the student body to kind of, you know, get, get a feel for the moment and everything. And it pans the crowd and then we all see it. And like, there's a really weird, uh, an unfortunate looking guy uh, doing something really stupid in the camera. And like one or two guys might've chuckled, which you don't ever, ever do in film with coach K. But so he paused it and we were like, I think we we're like, Oh man, someone's in trouble. Like he's going to get us. <laughs> and instead of like reaming, whoever like laughed at it, he rewound it, paused it on the guy and said, and you know what guys, just so you know, whenever things are going crazy at a, at a road game and you think like the momentum's out of, you know, in their favor or something, he was saying something along those lines. He paused it and circled the guy's face with his laser pointer and goes, this is the guy who's yelling at you. So you don't really ever have to worry about it. This is the kind of guy who's telling you that you suck or whatever. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, your favorite place to visit? Just like a cool atmosphere? Hmm. I mean, I'll say probably UNC just because their gym is so big and just the energy because for the obvious reasons because of how much the game's always meant. That was probably always the best place to go. Um, I will say the old Cole Fieldhouse was cool which is where Maryland played that's that's since been either redone or torn down I don't remember but they their way their student body was set up man they had basically this red cascading wall of students behind the visitors basket in the second half and they 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 hated us so bad so it was fun to uh it was fun to go play there just because you knew you're going to get a good game out of it you knew you're going to hear some crazy crazy shit from the students and it was just it was one of the loudest places uh, to play for sure what are the post-game meals like? Is that a thing? Uh, post-game meals, uh, uh, we did not have post-game meals at home. We were on our own there. Uh, on There's the no road, on the road, we would usually just, because we would go straight from gym to uh, airport, so we usually would just get pizzas on the road. So uh, the, the, the good one is the night, but if you go somewhere, like if we go play in New York City, for, you know, like a preseason NIT game, we would go out to a nice restaurant before the night before that was the, probably the best meal. Yeah. And I'm sure when you, when Duke comes in, it's a, it's a, it's a whole scene. I would imagine this is probably no, there's, there's camera phones, right? We have camera phones in 2003, 2004 to some degree. Maybe just, they were just starting. Yeah. I had that L I think I had that LG, one of the first color phone flip <laughs> with a camera. So we were just getting there. Sweet. I'm I don't know. Like that kind of spoils you as a person though. Like, 
why is it not like this every time I go out to eat? Like you just <laughs> you just walk they, you walk in, you don't pay for anything. Like you you have you have really good food and you get bussed from hotel to restaurant. Yeah, it, it spoils you, but um, anything to to let you focus on basketball as much as possible. That is what that's what they did. Don't they know who I am? <laughs> we have to wait ten minutes. It did not see, work later in my game. life, Dean. It did not work later <laughs> in my life. You could pull a Karen and demand to see the manager. I suppose that's possible. <laughs> uh, last question before we move on to talk a lot about Duke. I'm really interested. This is good stuff. Uh, we had Head Chopper on yesterday, and I asked. I said, "Hey, Chop, we got Andy coming on tomorrow. You got any questions for him?" And he thought about it for a second, and he said, "Hey, I got a question for him. All right." So he wants to know, Andy. This is Chopper's question. This is not my question. To be put it in context. Uh, what happened to you physically that you went from playing for Duke basketball to barely getting around at the RG game? <laughs> yeah, man. I, t- I told you like <laughs> at a, my, so my sophomore year, I told you I was in just really, really good shape. And then after my sophomore year, I, I had not really drank alcohol to that point in my life. So the summer after my sophomore year, I discovered beer very, very early on in, in uh, that summer. My, you know, I had a year under my belt. And like the old, the old, like I don't, at, at that point it was like literally just survival. Like I just, the motivation to make the team was so different than like just continuing to be on the team, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like my, my love for basketball was already, you know, way down low at that point in my life. It was just my love for Duke. And at, and then at a certain point, my love for my teammates and my coaches. The camaraderie, that's like the most fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why that's that at that point, that's why I was just. I was, I just wanted to survive, man. I just wanted to make it through a conditioning drill. I just wanted to make it through a practice. Like every day I just wanted to survive and make it to the next day uh, with, with my pride intact. Cause literally I kid you not, like when I graduated, I was so over everything. Like I love Duke. I would never change anything that I did, but I was so ready to just be done with such a grind. Like I was, I, w- I wanted to just get out of that as soon as possible and basketball for sure. Like, I tell people this for some reason, people don't believe me. I don't play basketball at all ever. <laughs> like I played, I could count on, this isn't hyperbole. I can count on two hands. The amount of times I've gone in a five on five full court game since I graduated. Like I just don't do it. And so I'm, I also don't just like, I don't have a goal set up in a driveway or anything. So like, I just don't ever touch a basketball anymore. So it's been 15 years. My game's terrible now. I can still, I'll still beat you in a free throw contest or a three point contest, but man, I have no handles. I'm, you know, at this point, probably 25 pounds heavier. So I'm taking extra weight up with my vertical. Like there's just the skills have just eroded except for the shooting. So if I told you when you're graduating Duke that, you know, 15, 20 years later, you're going to be, I guess 15 or so you're going to be working in specific like analytics for basketball. <laughs> Like, but if I told like 22 year old Andy means that, what would you like? But no, that's not, I don't love basketball really so much anymore. That, that I love basketball. I don't love playing. That's the crazy. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the different. Yeah. I guess I didn't like make that clear earlier. I, I still, I love watching. I love everything about it. I just don't like playing it. I just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the, the physical toll, like the, the competitive part of it. Like I'm, I just, I don't have that, that part of my, in, in my genes anymore. So. But yeah, to answer your question, like, well, A, I would have been like, what are analytics? Because I don't think we knew about that back then. Uh, I would have hoped I would have been in something basketball related, I think, because, I mean, I obviously had the new connections and everything that I thought would have, you know, that would have worked in my favor at a certain point. But I, I mean, like I said, I, 
when I graduated, I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just wanted out. And I wasn't really looking at basketball stuff. In hindsight, I should have. I should have maybe like immediately tried to be a grad assistant or something mm -hmm. and maybe turn that into coaching. But even now, like, I don't think I, I'm not mad. I'm not a coach. Like I would much, even in general, if you could tell me what I would like for sure want to do in the basketball game, I'd much rather be in the front office and be a coach. Just what were you, what like, were you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. That, 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 I was it. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask like, who is your comp? I, I, I'm curious who your comp is. And like, were you a, a trash talker on the court? Or what, what, what was your, uh, you know, what was your MO? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I said, I think I, I think maybe like Joe Ingles would be my comp. Yeah. He's a, he, he's a trash talker, but yeah, not in the trash talking. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not, I wasn't really a big trash talker just because if there's one thing I lacked in my, in my game that I actually, one of the, that I learned at Duke, one of the main things I learned at Duke was like how much confidence plays and how into how good you are. Like I never, I, I did, I always lacked self-confidence in my game. Um, so I don't, I don't think I had the, the confidence to talk too much trash unless someone really, really pissed me off. Yeah. I'd say Joe Ingles because I just, I was a guy who, in my opinion, there's always a right basketball play. Like if you have the ball here, depending on what your team, your team, where your teammates are, who you're playing, what the shot clock is, what the game situation is. I think there's always a right basketball play, whether that means you drive it, you pass it, you shoot it. And I think I was the guy who always did that. And I think like, and as far as skills, I think Ingles could hit an open shot. He's a good passer. He's probably better in the pick and roll than me. I just never really asked to have to do that stuff. But as far as comps, I would say Ingles. Yeah. Yeah, you would have thrived in the era of analytics. You missed the boat. Like it's too bad nobody realized back in uh, two thousand that three is greater than two. That's unfortunate. I might have got uh, some meaningful tick, Dean. <laughs> That's another thing I remember from Battier. Uh, your Battier body. He, you asked him like, "What? What would you tell a young Battier?" And he said like, "Just shoot threes every time." <laughs> How crazy were some of his answers to that? He like he said he never watched. He never, never would watch film. He said, "I trust exactly what the numbers say," which mm -hmm. makes me feel better about when I just talk about numbers in my uh, like core plays article um and then he said uh yeah the just shoot threes shoot more threes like that's just crazy that that's that's where we are like because he he kind of flipped that switch into his game I think basically his junior year like he said he reworked his shot between his sophomore and junior year and he could just he was a knockdown three-point shooter and that's I mean you can say what you want about his defense that was also one of the main reasons he had such a long NBA career and specifically why you're such a good fit for the heat. There you go. Got to get the heatles in there for sure. Go Miami. Uh, all right. So let, let's pivot to DFS daily fantasy sports. How did you find out about it? And at what point did you realize that like, this is going to be a thing for you? Yeah, that's, it's weird, man. I, I think I'm different in most of uh, the DFS people that we know and that so many people played poker and then switched over to this, I guess, after black Friday or whatever. Is that what it's called? Black Friday? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so not, I'm not I'm in the just, broker world either. So, but yeah, that's my okay. understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just different. I, I would always would, we had our uh, season long football league from like our college guys that I didn't even start doing that until maybe like, I don't know, 2010, I got in a little late when they were doing it and really, really, really had fun doing that. I would listen to like the Matthew Barry podcast and all the time, just like waiting, waiting for Sunday to come so I could see my season long league. And at a certain point, my wife, uh, now she's my, girlfriend or fiance at the time but she said have you seen and she probably regrets saying this but uh she said have you seen these FanDuel commercials you probably <laughs> like that and I was like no what's that she's like yeah apparently you just play you know you can play daily and I was like oh, okay so like it was right I think it was the four is either the 14 or 15 fall 
So like right in the kind of towards the end of uh, NFL season. And I just started doing that a little bit. I would play that uh, just like the, the playoff slates and had fun. Wasn't like, I don't even remember if I was good or bad. I didn't play that for that much. And I, I love doing it. And so when that was over, I was like, Oh, okay, well now NBA is starting. And so me and a buddy um, were like, let's just like, see if we were good at the NBA part of it too. So we like talk about it every day. Like Roto Grinders was literally the first thing I signed up for. I, I like made my way in the early going by reading Noto's grind down. I would like sort the, the expert rankings, see who's number one. I would put them in my lineup and stuff, stuff like that. I was probably looking at Dean's. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, right after uh, Nodos. Probably right after Nodos. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the rankings are. <laughs> so that's that, and that's and then and then that's how I got started, man. I and I was good at NBA and like, well, let's try baseball. And baseball is fun. And I just ate it up, man. It's just every, it's everything I, I like. I like sports. I like numbers. Like I like puzzles. I think at a certain point, you're like putting together, like when I would make my first lineup, a lineup, I'm like, how am I going to make this puzzle come together? So like, I just, it's everything I like doing. And, and then I just kind of, as far as like the, um, the rotor grinder stuff, I just, and again, I'll mention my wife. She said, you, you'd probably be really good at that. Like you just <laughs> talk about it and write about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I hated writing in school. I don't know. I don't really have any like on air experience or anything except minus like maybe one interview I had at Duke. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be that good at it. It's like, well, you should just reach out and see. It'd be like good to have as like a steady job too. It's like, all right. And, and kind of the rest is history from that point. You reached out to somebody at RG and like, I, I assume at that time you were kind of established yourself as a player and you're probably somewhere in the rankings and yeah. Uh, yeah. And along the way was, was there a, did you have like a big hit from the start, like a crazy sweat from the start or was just kind of like a gradual climb for you? Uh, it was more just a gradual climb as far as like the actual DFS stuff. I had, you know, I had some six figure wins in, uh, oh. I think in like the pl- playoff series or something and just not like a huge, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it's like a huge entry field, but it was more of just like a higher dollar entry thing with a smaller field, but like stuff like that. I was on Kobe the night he, uh, had his last game yeah. on one site and not on the other, but it was like, it was, uh, well worth it on one of the sites. So like stuff like that worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, to answer your RG question, though, I just, I literally, I think I was like 30th at that point in rankings when I, uh, when I reached, I think I just, I think I literally messaged Cam on the Roto Grinders uh, server and said, hey, my name's Andy, I'm 30th, uh, I played at Duke, blah, blah, blah. And, he knows that, um, though, you know, he, I mean, yeah, he knows you played at Duke. He's well aware. Not, not at that point. I don't think he did. I don't no, think I'm, I'm, I'm I, was. <laughs> I was joking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I, I was like, I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, I'm interested in working for you guys to like do some, some sort of content. And I like had, I think, it, I don't know if it was at, at that point I mentioned it, but I might've maybe the, the exchange after yeah. when I brought up my core plays article and just as an idea of like how I thought, what I thought would be a good article. And, and he, t- the way he tells it, is that I think he's, I think he like reached out to Cal and he's like, this is unbelievable. This guy's 30th, uh, ranked 30th and played basketball Duke. And he wants, and he's reaching out to us to work for us. So I was like, he's like, absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And the rest is history, uh, of course. And uh, you're now, so now you're on crunch time and you're working all the way up the clock. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I kind of sort of have some experience in this, not exactly working up to the wire, but how has it adjusted your ability to play? How much you can play? How many lineups you can make? Because, 
making lineups on the fly, especially from a basketball perspective where, you know, three minutes, two minutes, one minute before uh, lock time, you're getting guys scratched. Uh, how has that, like, I don't want to say suppressed your ability to play, but I guess you had to adjust your play, I assume. Oh, it's suppressed it big time, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't want to, yeah, I mean, I didn't yeah. want to use that word necessarily, but that's what popped up. Oh, yeah, it had. I mean, I mean, I'd be stupid not to because I when I first started, I tried, and it was just dumb. Like, there, the way it, the way it works is what I learned is that one of those is going to suffer if I do that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going, I, I really, really only need to do one of those. Um, I can't just do the show and also be, like, trying to figure out my lineup or – a lineup on two sites. Like I learned very, very early. That is just not something to do because one's going to suffer. And so like my obligation as a rotor grinder is to put out really good content. So it's easy for me to make that decision. And, and I've learned too. like, I just have fun doing it. Like I don't, I can still, I can still put in a lineup in a big tournament uh, and, and, and sweat that way. But like the fun part for me is just like been the research and just absorbing everything NBA. So I don't have a problem doing it because, and like I get to hang out with Roth for an hour every night too. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, I love it. Like it's one of, it's my favorite part of the week. It's my favorite part of the DFS season is getting to do that show with him. So um, yeah, it's, it's for sure suppressed it. Like I'd rather be really good at, I'd rather be great at one thing than okay at two, if that makes sense. But what's Kevin Roth like in real life? You know, you know, Kevin Roth well. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, awesome man! I can't believe he's a great dude. Ever say it? I can't believe anyone. I know p- people love being uh, Twitter trolls. Sure, believe, even even people in our industry are like weirdly like I don't know. I don't want to say rude, but like dicks to him. If that makes sense, like he's it's the Duke thing, the nicest still, right? guy I've, huh? It's the Duke thing. This it's the same sort of concept, isn't maybe. it? Maybe a know. little bit. Yeah, he so he is he is the Duke of DFS weather. <laughs> he is yeah i mean he's good looking he got he's got muscles he's charming you Dude, know he's literally the nicest guy i've ever met like i couldn't can't say a bad thing about him so yeah that, that's sort of my thought process as well and hey you mentioned it as far as trolls i'm curious i meant to ask as a chop and i forgot but this is a question i want to have going forward like what is the most memorable maybe like, however you can clean it up or you want like the the mean tweet i want like is there a mean tweet that kind of sticks in your head that you think to about or yeah, for you, like you know, maybe you gave out like a bad play, even though it made, made sense from a, a math perspective. It just didn't work out for whatever reason. Do you ever catch this? I mean, I know a lot of our subscribers understand, you know, sample size, they understand variance, they understand injuries and things like that. But do you ever catch any interesting shrapnel on Twitter as far as like, hey Andy, thanks for this play, you screwed me, you suck. Like, you, ever, <laughs> you ever get into that, or does that ever happen? Not a lot, not a lot, honestly, because that's one of the main things I try to do in my article is I try to tell you why I'm playing this guy. So mm-hmm. if you disagree, you can just not do it. Um, I don't just say, hey, play this guy because I say so. I try to like give a, a logical reason for doing it. And the few people who have tried to call me out on stuff, on DFS-specific stuff, yeah. I have retweet commented them and called them out in, in return <laughs> to make them look stupid. So I don't know if that's why. Like one time I said something about – it was when uh, Bach and uh, Mark Gasol were flip-flopping on who was starting at center kind of uh-huh. based on the matchup. And I and this guy was like, "Oh, I can't believe you have Serge Ibaka listed as a core play. What an idiot! Like that's just so <laughs> stupid." I was like, "I was like, get back to me when it's uh, confirmed that he's starting." And it comes back that he's confirmed starting. I think he like I don't know. Let's say he like eight x that his price tag that night or something. And I went to check on that dude, and he had blocked me. 
So I like did yeah. a little, <laughs> I did a little photo array of the, the story of a, a Twitter troll or something of him uh-huh. calling me out. Then Ibaka getting listed has started. Then Ibaka's, uh, my comment to him and then like what Ibaka did. And I don't know if you're going to come out with me with stupid stuff, I'm going to call you out on it. Yeah. You're not really like following you on Twitter. You're not very aggressive at like going, you don't really go at it. You just kind of do your own thing and, you know, you don't really get in it with a lot of people. You've had a couple moments. Which are kind yes, of I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> and you put out like the most vague of political tweets, and all of a sudden you get attacked for that too. But the, that's not. Oh, what that was hardcore me. delete life. Yeah, I mean that was hardcore <laughs> I enjoyed delete it at life. Least. <laughs> I mean, let's just don't bury the lead here, Dean. You said you got some Twitter thing. Let's get come at me with it right now. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was CJ, right? When C- that wasn't the did you have a whole spat with CJ. No, you said you found one. You said you found some questionable tweets of mine. That you want to that you want to that you want to bring up and argue with me or something? Oh no no actually no I was just saying explain your tweet. This is not these are not actually argumentative. But we'll get to them okay. in a second. But they're more fun. They're more fun than anything actually. I I, I didn't prep you correctly in that. That's fine. Uh, I was trying to transition for you. I've learned that in my seven episodes <laughs> of the podcast. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we can get into some fun stuff too. But yeah, I did I did find some of your tweets and I just want to we actually probably agree on this stuff. And I just want to get your thoughts on it. That's all. But uh, let me get some quick hitters out of you. Um, <laughs> Uh, favorite favorite TV show? All time? Sure. However you want to answer. You can give me a couple if you want. Man, that's tough now, actually. Um, well, what are you watching right now? Are you watching something in quarantine you're enjoying? I'm going to say my I – think, I, I think I will say The Office might have creeped up to be my favorite all-time TV show. I think I would have said – if you asked me this, like, I don't know, five or ten years ago, I might have said, like, Seinfeld or something. Um, I'm big on comedies in general, but I, I've, as I've gotten older, I've liked just the more serious stuff like Breaking Bad, The Wire, you know, things like that. Um, I thought the last season of Homeland was really good. So what I'm watching. Yes. Though, yeah. I'll go. The Office is my official answer since I have to give an official answer. But in quarantine, last season of Homeland was awesome. Like just absolutely tremendous. Uh, um, top top five ending of all time. The thing about it is I like the season way more than the ending, if that oh, makes sense. Okay. Like the ending was fine. I thought I was going to be – the season was so good, I thought I was going to be blown away a little more to how it ended. But the but that's not to say it was a bad ending or a disappointing. It was just I had my expectation. Like every episode was like, man, that was good. Like I said it every time an episode was over. Uh, yeah, so that was one I watched. Um, Home did this weird thing, Andy, where uh, very, very, very few shows do this. First season, very good. Second season, very good. I'll be three was good too as well. And then they had this kind of murky four, mm, five, came six. Came back, baby. And then it came back. Like six and seven yeah. were strong. It's like, well, good job, agreed. Homeland. Yeah, yep, great. I, I have the exact same feeling on the arc of that, yeah. Uh, we, we started rewatching The Wire recently. I'm, I feel like I'm missing some obvious stuff. I watched, uh, rewatched Accession with my wife. We watched, caught up on Billions, except for this season. I know I'm missing some stuff, but that's kind of what we've been looking at lately. So these are your tweets, by the way. It's funny you mention all these things because uh, when I was saying <laughs> explain your tweets, you were talking about Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller, of course, passed. He was uh-huh. in Seinfeld. And it's interesting you mentioned Seinfeld and you mentioned The Office, too. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, I think, I'm pretty sure Seinfeld is the last laugh track show I've watched. Uh, that really makes things dated, and I prefer a show it's not the laugh track, you know, like The Office says I'm a laugh tracker something like Superstore or whatever. Like basically for me, sitcoms now, I just, I can't. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Laugh Track's just kind of a killer. Just uh, mm-hmm. don't tell me what's funny when I have to laugh. But Seinfeld is- It's crazy that it's it's someone pass. even thought that was a good idea at some point, isn't it? Like when you look back at Laugh Track shows, like it's just the dumbest thing ever. It's, it is weird and it's probably manipulative too. And it is, like, a lot of those shows I believe were filmed before a studio audience, I think. So maybe that's, yeah. I'm not sure if that's canned laughter, or if it's actual laughter, I don't really know, but- uh, give me your favorite Seinfeld episode. You have that off the dome? Oh, yeah, I do. It's got to be the contest for me. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're answering all the chalk. I like it because we, we, we think similarly. That's definitely well, a chalk mean, answer. Like that season in general, since I've been, I've been rewatching that a little bit too. And just that season in general, like it takes, it takes such an obvious step to how good of a show it is in that season. And man, just the, every single scene in that show is just so good and it's just so creative and just so funny. Um, I didn't know that was the chalk. I think that's, that's like, like it's a chalky put on the map. That put it on the map as like one of the best shows ever, right? Basically, I think so. Uh, that's one of the things I assume people think of. And naturally, do you, so a lot of people I know like Seinfeld and like even won't even try Curb Your Enthusiasm. Of course, uh, Larry David was you know created Seinfeld with with Jerry and he wrote on the show for a, a number of years as well too. Are you a Curb fan? I am a Curb fan. I watched it. Uh, I was late to it. Like yeah. I didn't watch it like right when it came out. I was late to it and watched it all the way through. Um, I might've even, that might've been, I don't even know if I had HBO at the time. That might've been something I like Netflix with the discs. Actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I might, that might've been how I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. Cause I went through a really big HBO kick where I watched, I was late to Sopranos and late to the wire. And I like, I watched all that stuff. So yeah, I watched it once. I have not watched the most recent season and I know everyone says it's awesome. It's so excellent. my plan is during this quarantine is to start from season one and just run it through to the new one. Wow. And there's, it's like 11 seasons in like 17 years or something silly like that. And like Larry could just do a, he can do a season whenever he wants, essentially. HBO just gives him carte blanche. And it's interesting you mentioned Sopranos because again, this is another one of the tweets I was talking about. You were saying, and it's funny, we got Devin on here too. He's producing in the background. I assume he's still there. Thank you, Devin, for producing and sticking around, listening to our conversation. But uh, you were saying Succession quite possibly has the greatest intro theme. And Devin, well, I guess you guys had this conversation in our previous uh, you know, previous time, he likes the Dexter theme, which I think is a great theme too. And you mentioned Sopranos, which is an amazing theme as well. And for me, I think those are top three. So sell me, Ooh. sell me. I think it was my favorite three all time. I don't know. Is that not correct? No, I mean, I like all three too. That's just, I can't, I didn't, I didn't see you coming with all three in, in, in that, I'm not, not saying in that order, but those yeah. are the three. So yeah, I mean, Devin, I mentioned, I, I think I mentioned to him before a show we had done that I was rewatching that also with my wife. And so mm-hmm. he talked about how much he liked the intro, which I agree. But yeah, Succession Man, the, the music is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, piano. That is, that is a given. And it just gets me so hyped for some reason. And then the, and the footage too, because it's like they're telling a little story with the footage and it's like the old grainy camera and the overhead shots of this massive mansion. I don't know why. The music gets me pumped. I just love it. Yeah, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well, too. And you mentioned Billions, and I think there's a crossover, right? What is it about, like, Terrible Billionaires we like watching uh, in our TV shows? Like, those are two great shows, right? There's, like, evil rich people, essentially. Billions kind of fell off. I, like I said, I just caught up on whatever they finished before, just what they start three weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. This last season kind of discouraged me a little bit because it was like, oh, it was someone's doing something behind someone else's back to gain leverage. Like, are we, that's like every, that was the whole point. It's Every, redundant. One person's doing this to this person, another person's doing this to that person. And now I'm going to get leverage and make money. And then I'm going to do it again to someone else. And like, there didn't see, it didn't, it just lost interest to me a little bit. So I might give the, I'll give this next season a little, a little bit of a chance, but I got to say it fall, fell off a little for me. This is what season five, I believe. This is kind of the time when sometimes yeah. it starts falling off the rails, just as a general yeah. rule. Uh, we mentioned Dexter. I think that's when Dexter started falling Ooh. off the rails. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the john uh, i was gonna say john levitt's not john levitt's john uh Lithgow season is that that's the season oh, right? trinity that's a really good one that's the season for sure uh you have a favorite movie anchorman oh man you know who hates anchorman Derek cardi bring yeah. it on Derek cardi. 
I should have him like waiting in the wings just to argue about it. I would say non-comedy, I would go Gladiator. Okay, yeah, that's good. Uh, I can't can't argue with that. Uh, Oh, I saw you talking about this today on Twitter, I believe. Uh, or no, maybe it wasn't. No, you're talking about it on your podcast. I'm forgetting. I, you interacted with me. You just don't realize it today. <laughs> but uh, you were talking about wrestling. Uh, your favorite wrestler back in the day. Were you NWO? Were you WCW? Were you WWF? Oh, man. All right. I'm going to answer that question with <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, I need to think about who I'm going to answer that question. But I have a follow up statement on something. I'm going to give okay. advice to all the quarantiners out there. Let me think of my answer first. Um, <laughs> My favorite wrestler. I got to go Stone Cold. That's just, I, I don't know if that's chalk. That's your guy. He's just so, so entertaining. And what's your advice for the quarantiners out there? Hit up the WWE <laughs> Network or something like that? Dude, if you, like, I think most people who love wrestling back in the day will agree that, like, the, that mid to late 90s run, whereas the Monday Night Wars was the greatest, like, run, stretch of wrestling ever. Get the WWE Network. And go back and watch stuff consequent or um, in order. Like you start basically start from the day that Scott Hall shows up on Nitro, and you watch the Nitro show. Then you watch the Raw after it. Then you like watch pay per views. Just watch it in order, man. It's like living back in the day, and it's freaking entertaining as heck. Do you think it holds up? Is kind of my question because there's probably some movies you liked as a child, probably some movies I liked as a child, some TV shows I liked as a kid. And if I watched them through adults' eyes, I'd be like, wow, this is terrible. I was a dumb kid. I didn't know it was good. Uh, is it, do you think it holds up essentially over 20 years of, uh, of time? Maybe it does. So like, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Uh, like the, I, the WCW does not hold up. Man, it got <laughs> really, really bad really quickly. And I didn't remember it getting bad that quickly, but you just loved it so much at the time as like a, a I don't know, a sophomore in high school that you mm-hmm. just kept, kept going with it. But it gets really bad. But and you forget how much like dead stuff there is in and and those shows, like how just like the really bad matches they have to throw in for filler. But man, like the peak Stone Cold stuff, the peak Rock stuff, the really good NWO Sting stuff, that holds up to me. It's just you might not want to wait, you know, an hour and forty five minutes for it uh, whenever you're watching those shows. But it's a, if you're ever gonna do it, do it in quarantine. Do you have a guy today, or you just don't follow it anymore? Oh no, I don't follow it now. Yeah, I, I just know today they're doing like uh, no crowd matches, which just just looks weird. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen. I just came across it one day. I'm like, this I've is- heard people mentioning it about the. I think they did. A, did they do a pay per view or, or WrestleMania a week or two ago? I think right. They had no crowd at WrestleMania, which is yeah. just bizarre. Like I understand why they had to do it. It just seems it's wrestling needs a crowd. Like it's a like major yeah. element. Basically, uh, wrestling for me, I waved goodbye to it once I got to college. But pretty much, like. It, I had more fun things to do in college. <laughs> like when I was a sophomore or junior in high school, like, and it was Monday night, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Monday night. When you're Monday night college, Monday night might as well be Saturday night. So, uh, Oh, you, we, we talked about saved by the bell before the show. Is there a most memorable saved by the bell uh, episode for you? What, what, what's the one, the, mm. the, the best lesson when you learned about uh, t- not taking pills. Jesse's got to get I, an hope, a I, hope I, didn't, I hope I didn't learn any lessons on saved by the bell. <laughs> Uh, Zach Morris is a jerk poorly. according to the internet, right? Oh yeah. I saw that YouTube. That's great. Um, <laughs> I just, I guess I'll just answer something like basketball, really, like how awful the basketball scene is when he like tears his <laughs> knee or whatever. Like he just walks into somebody and falls like some of the worst acting ever. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched Saved by the Bell literally every day when I got home from school, like elementary school or middle school or whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sitting up here in the quarantine throwing on the Miss Blitz years. <laughs> or the college years. I hope you're not watching the college years. <laughs> 
What was uh, that, Bob, Bob Golick? Is that right? Or Is there Bob or Mike Golick? One of the Golicks is like the Mike's RA. Mike's not Mike and Mike, so it's got to be Bob, the brother. Okay, it's Bob Golick. <laughs> it's not good. The, the beach episodes stuff. were good, but the late the girl from King of Queens. Oh, Stacey Carosi? Oh, yeah. That's those Stacey Carosi <laughs> and Lee on her dad? Yeah, absolutely. Malibu Ke- Fans Beach Club? You got Kelly. You got uh, Mrs. Turtle. Did you have a favorite back in the day? Kelly. Obviously. <laughs> I think Kelly was the chalk as well, too. Can okay. I tell you a quick story? Can I tell you a quick story? Sure. So um when I was at Duke, the uh, radio, they had a, a radio booth, two guys up doing the you know the play-by-play for the for the games, and they had a guy who would sit down behind our bench and kind of like relay, this is what coach is saying in the huddle. Let's expect him to come out after this timeout. <laughs> and that guy, his name is Matthew Lawrence, and he is Dr. Silver in Beverly Hills 90210. Oh. Um, and so I got to know him pretty well, and he said Tiffany Amber Thiessen, when she was on 90210, was, like, literally the sexiest woman he's ever seen. Like, he was just, like, shocked every day he would go to work there. So long roundabout way to say uh, Kelly Kapowski is my favorite state by the bell. I believe she joined that show late, if my memory serves. Like, didn't she yeah, join like, it? I don't like, know, like, fourth, fourth, fourth or fifth season whenever they kicked off uh, Shannon Doherty. There you go. Yeah, she was apparently a terror on the on the scene on the set. Though. Allegedly, that's what I've heard word in the streets. Uh, hey, uh, you have two dogs. Uh, I think you have two dogs. I've seen uh, visual evidence. One you named Boogie after Boogie Cousins, I assume, which is <laughs> awesome. And I really, I really hope he's doing. Like, oh man, I wish things went better in his career. Unfortunately, yeah. but uh, it's just really rough. Uh, why, why Boogie? I guess you're a big uh, Boogie Cousins fan. And what's the other dog's name? Is it also like sports related? Other dog's name is Winnie, um, mainly from Winnie Cooper from Warrior Years. That's where we thought of the name. Um, Boogie, I mean, I will say Boogie's name did not come from Boogie Cousins. Oh. It came from me being aware of that nickname and thinking that would be a phenomenal name for a dog. My wife claims that it is after Boogie Cousins, so I don't know who's right. But it has something to do with him just because I think it's such a great nick- it's such a great name for a dog, Boogie. I like it. Uh, I did want to ask this, but this is important to me. I don't know why I'm going back. It's so important. You mentioned The Office. Uh, non like core four, who's the best character? Kevin. Yo, there you go. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Kevin, yeah, Kevin's his chili I hear is delicious. The uh, one where uh, he, like, uh, I think someone tells him just to tell the girl what he's thinking because uh, he's nervous and doesn't know what to say to her. So he's like, I'm, he goes, I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking. And he says, You have a wonderful smile. She's like, thank you. Like, I want to take you out for dinner. She's like, okay. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Kevin's oh, great. Kevin. Kevin is an acceptable answer. I was thinking maybe Creed as well, too. Uh, he doesn't get a playing time. I'm way though. lower on Creed. I'm, really? I'm way lower on Creed than the field. Yeah. You're anti-Creed? Uh, I'm not anti-Creed. I will say if I had to, if you gave me a list of was that funny, yes or no, for every scene, I'm going to be more no's than yeses. You know what, Andy? I was thinking about like putting out a like a like a sixty four like a kind of like a bracket style, uh, you know, office characters. Yeah. If you want in on the committee, like uh, you know, we're, we'll we'll figure it out. We're gonna make it happen. I don't know if you I don't know if you have any time these days, but I'm you know through the Twitter machine. I was, this I'm at a certain point about. where I just like I'm like, all right, I'm going back to season two. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll get to I, it's even getting to the point where Michael hasn't even left yet. I'm like I just like two three so much that I just I'm like all right, I'm going back to two. I can't take it. So I might finale was I might good. Not be helpful. I might not be helpful for the later years. And yes, the finale was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we'll, 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 that's something I've been thinking about. And sure, why not? We have plenty of time these days, sure. Uh, speaking of time, Andy, you've given me plenty of yours. And I, I appreciate this. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot about your Duke days. I uh, learned a lot about Coach K. Uh, we happened to, we, there was no disagreements. 
And I, I mean, I, I didn't ask Jordan versus LeBron. Like that's probably why there's no disagreements <laughs> because that's a that's a fresh conversation, isn't it, Andy? You have any hot no takes on that? No one's asking that. Not even me. Oh wait, I did. Damn it. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Did you have a just a, a quick hit or a quick takeaway? As far I mean, I really loved the documentary. I assume for it was it was great, right? You have a thought on it? I guess you enjoyed it, like everybody else. Yeah, my main takeaway is that I've said it on some medium before, maybe on one of mine, is that it's just you can tell how much it means to him still when he answers questions. Like he gets so fired up or like so like you can tell he wants to go play again. Like you can tell that that's just the way he's wired. Like it's not it's not a myth about his competitive juices or anything. Like the guy, just the fact that it's still elicits that sort of reaction out of his face and out of his body. Uh, I don't know. What is this? I don't know. 30 years later or whatever, on some instances, it's just, that's, that's, I think what makes him so special. Break. Uh, well, you mentioned, yeah, right? you talked about Battier earlier and like, now you're talking about Jordan, like the competitiveness doesn't go away. They're, they're not playing sports anymore. So they need something to kind of fill that void. And you can talk about Jordan competitiveness, I suppose, uh, through gambling, I assume, <laughs> but I'm sure he's still mm-hmm. being super competitive on things these days. And, Battier is being competitive. Well, he's coaching as well, but he's being competitive in this fantasy football league. And like you said, it's not, it's not about the financials. It's not about winning. It's just about winning. It's about just competing. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just kind of the fun thing going on there. And uh, the pizza story doesn't add up to me. I, I'm not a conspiracy guy. There's plenty of people out there that are filling that void. <laughs> this one's fun and, you know, harmless, but who delivers five people show up to deliver a pizza. And if you're Michael Jordan, you don't say, Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. Can you send me a pizza? Like, how do they know? Five, how do five people know this is going to Jordan? I have a lot of questions. I mean, I will say, as someone who's ordered a pizza at 2.30 in the morning before, <laughs> and maybe I was inebriated. I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I'm likely going to eat that pizza no matter what, too. But I don't have to go play a game six of the finals or whatever, or five. Or, I don't remember which game it was. But, yeah, it doesn't add up. But I also have no theories at this point of what, what makes sense but like you i don't there's no way he's making it up like the dude could barely stand like you can't just make that stuff up on the on the spot like in the whole game like the dude looked literally done well the theory is is he might have been hung over but my question is he's uh, always hung over then he was always out <laughs> doing something the guy was smoking cigars before games that doesn't add up either that's all like it's a whole other conversation that's you know we no can't way. get into right now but like delving into like how jordan and like or even that mentality or rodman going you know to vegas in between games in the area of, in the era of, of social media and everybody having a cell phone in 2020 like how would these yeah. things fly but uh just five people delivering a pizza is just right there that's an alarm to me like and okay that means apparently they know it's going to michael jordan like why would michael jordan tell them it's going to michael jordan why is that even necessary? He has all these guys. Also, but think entourage. about it. Let me let me push back. Yeah, maybe maybe he's think of how many times that's probably happened to him though. Just because people want to get a glimpse, like that's why five people showed up because they're like, oh, this is Michael Jordan's room. I'm gonna see if I can see him. How do they know what's going to Jordan? Maybe someone who ordered it slipped up. Maybe they figured <laughs> that. Maybe they figured out uh, what his alias was. Uh, there's uh, there's maybe someone delivered something there four nights before and they're like this is his alias or i don't know like i got a pizza for rod mexico we know who that is for really <laughs> i mean you i don't know and they're like i know michael's gonna be up at 2 30 everyone else is asleep you know steve kerr's asleep cross him off you know luke longley's asleep cross him off <laughs> he's yeah, still in so australian time yeah <laughs> luke, luke longley's asleep who wants to poison luke longley <laughs> and who has like the poison stuff even if I, I wouldn't even know how to poison a pizza that's the real kicker is i just don't know what they Unless it's just raw, raw, raw meat. I don't know. 
you got Heisenberg back there. Like, uh, you know, who knows, who knows what's going on? We'll never know. I, I had Noto on the other day when we talked about it, and I asked him how difficult it was to get a pizza in Utah. He lives in Utah. And, of course, times have changed. But he says, like, it's not necessarily as easy as you think. But uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. Uh, Andy, I much appreciate you uh, sticking around here and then talking to me about, you know, in an era of very little sports. And, of course, you have your KBO pitcher article to or you knocked it out already today. I got to put the finishing touches on it. And I also want to ask you, can I uh, ask – you have beer on next. Can I ask him a question since Chop asked me one? Yeah, what do you want to ask beer? We can just pay it forward. I want to know – if Chop's talking trash about me being awful at basketball now, I want to know why Beer <laughs> didn't even freaking play. Oh he's, boy, he's the tallest dude in the in the company. We need we need that size down the low post. Why didn't he even play in the game? He's a ringer, yeah, for sure. He's he's like six six or something like. He's built like an old lineman. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. I, I feel like he played at least one or two of the years. Maybe he didn't play this last season. Maybe he came in late. I don't recall the story, but no, I, I've not seen him play since I've been uh, employed by the RG. I, and I've gone to every <laughs> every gym. It, that we've had these games and I have not seen him play yet. So I'm, I want to know why he's not playing. Get your plugs in Andy. Tell the people about your podcast. Tell them where to find you on Twitter and the whole deal. You can find me on Twitter at a meansy, a M E A N S Y. Uh, my podcast is called mean streets. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I've had seven uh, episodes. Like you said, uh, most recent ones have been JJ Reddick, who was just awesome. Told a really, really good Duke story uh, between his sophomore and junior year of like when he was kind of down, down in the dumps <laughs> and he went into great detail about it. Uh, Jay, yeah, Jay Billis is on there and that's some of my buddies, Chris Duan, Reggie Love, Andy Borman, uh, Chris Patola, Chris who's a serious XM uh, college basketball analyst for ESPN also. So it's been fun, man. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I got going on right now. And you can always find me on RG writing articles, doing shows in the discord, uh, hamming it up with our subscribers. Yeah, I've listened, and I can endorse it as well, too. And I'm not a Duke basketball guy. I'm not a college basketball guy, but I still thoroughly enjoyed him. I haven't listened to the Reggie Love one yet, but, like, his uh, his profile on Twitter says, like, Obama's body man, which I don't know what that means, but I'm interested. Is that, isn't that what it is? It's is basically it is? the word. It's a phrase they have for, like, personal assistant. Like, he okay. is basically in his pocket the whole – every moment of the day to make sure he's going where he's supposed to go. And, like, he has – he said like he'd have a tide thing in his pocket in case he got something on a tie real quick, or he has to make sure the microphone's right for when he has a speech or like this is a schedule thing. Just like that. Yeah. He's Andy means I'm Dean again. I'm filling up for Stevie. Stevie will be back soon enough. He's doing, he's doing content content for NASCAR. He's doing content for a counter strike as well too. So of course, if you guys looking for such a, if you're into the NASCAR, if you're into Counter-Strike, make sure you hit Stevie up. He's got his packages available for the people out there. Thank you to Devin for uh, producing the show. Thanks once again to Andy Means. Check out his podcast, The Mean Streets. I'm Dean. We're out of here. Holler.